Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the teams present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Prospects Gambling the Draft in Baseball. And ask me questions if I was confusing. Boy, that's a long title. I wonder if that's what will be the final title of this. Gambling, prospects, the draft, and baseball. Something like that. Gambling and I have a bit of a conflicting relationship. I'm not a fan of banning things. Some people are. Yes, make that illegal. Ban that. Make that unpermitted. I'm not I'm not there. Not down with that. Not good with it either. People are going to gamble. People are going to gamble no matter what you do, no matter what you say. Not all people are going to gamble. That would be my mother who never gambles. There are quite a few people who, for one reason or another, will gamble, and probably quite a few of them will lose quite a bit at gambling. Because in general, the people who build the gambling casinos end up winning. And that's kind of where my hard part comes in. I do gamble, I have gambled. And usually it hasn't worked very well. Hey, I'll break this out. I'll break this out. Back in the 80s at some point, there was a college football game that weekend. I think it was between Oklahoma and Miami. Oklahoma and Miami. Miami wasn't Miami yet. Might have even been Jim Kelly time. I, I, I don't know when exactly, specifically, this event was. But uh, Miami wasn't who they would eventually become. And Oklahoma was the team that everyone everyone wanted to be. (coughs) And someone at my place of employ knew someone who knew someone. And I decided I was going to invest some money in a college football game. And very fortunately for me, very, 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 very fortunate for me, I bet on Oklahoma and I lost massively, absolutely massively. But it was only one loss. You know, it, it, it wouldn't have mattered if they lost by, you know, 30 more points. I, I, was, I was out money and I didn't like being out money. So I was out of money and I pretty much know I'm really not all that interested in gambling a whole lot because I don't want, I didn't necessarily enjoy my job and I, it took me a lot of time and effort and all that kind of stuff to build stuff up and I didn't want to give it away to a bookie on a, on a college football game. And I didn't gamble a whole lot after that, but then I was in a, fantasy football league for seven years. So I guess I didn't learn my lesson. Uh, Spent some time playing some um, at my brother's house, some uh, Texas Hold'em. So yeah, it's conflicting. It's, I I don't like, I don't like to gamble. I don't like to lose. And I know that I'm not very good at it. So yeah, gambling and I have a bit of a, checkered past as I continue on with whatever it is that I'm doing what that I am doing with my baseball prospecting stuff I know that quite a few people who whether 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 I'm describing you or not quite a few people are paying attention to minor league prospect podcasts not because of their 
Oh, deep concern for the housing um, rights of players who are in Myrtle Beach playing for the Pelicans or the teams coming in from other cities or whatever. A lot of people are interested in minor league baseball because they want to find out who's going to kick ass. Simply put, who's going to kick ass? (coughs) Who's going to be the guy? Who's going to be the guy I'm supposed to go out and get all of his autographed baseball cards? Who is that guy? Who is that guy that I have to go out and get all of his baseball cards that are autographed? For some people, that's what it's about. Or I want to have complete information so I can rule my keeper baseball uh, fantasy baseball league. Fine, you know, no problem, no worries. Go for it, do it. Here's the hiccup. I suck at that. I suck at that. I'm not going to be able to tell you who is going to be the next super awesome all-star stud of a dude. I'm not that good. I'm not that good at that stuff. And I try to admit that up front. I don't know. And for a lot of people... They are listening to this kind of stuff because they want to get the latest information. Hey, this guy has 70 power. Go out and invest in him. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. So I'm basically slitting my own throat by not telling you information I can't believe in. You know, if I was, yeah, go out and uh, it's going to be Owen Casey, or it's going to be Kevin Alcantara, or it's going to be Christian Hernandez. Or it's, but I'm not going to tell you that. I, I don't know. I'm not that smart. So there are a lot of people who are into the minor league baseball thing because if they get the information soon enough, they can act on it soon enough. Kind of like if they're listening to, oh, I don't know, your quarterly reports at... um of companies that are on the NASDAQ, if you find out things quickly enough and you beat everyone else to the information and you act quickly enough on the market, then you get an advantage and all that kind of stuff. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. I'd probably be better off if I were, but that's not who I am. And the further on I go, I realize there are a lot of people who are a lot better, a lot more engaged, a lot more motivated and that kind of stuff than I am. And I can either lie to you guys, or I can lie to me, or I can say, no, that's not who I am. So here I am saying, that's not who I am. What I'm planning on doing is, when something happens, I'm going to tell you about it, and give you my read on what might happen. But really, there hasn't been a whole lot going on here recently, and I haven't had a whole lot of podcasts. Hey, the Cubs signed Matt Dermody back to a minor league deal. Hey, I'm good with it. Cubs signed Eric Yardley to a minor league deal. Hey, I'm good with it. Will they do any good? I I have no idea because that's not what I do. I'm good with minor league contracts, though, because if a minor league contract blows up and the person doesn't do any good, then they get released, and it's not a problem. If they do well, then they have a chance of making the 40-man roster at some point, and then we find out. Gambling, minor leagues, the draft, and baseball. Restating the premise. I probably even have the title wrong. If you guys have written it down at the start, you're probably, no, Tim, you got it wrong. You have it in the wrong order. Gambling and baseball go together, and that's not going to change. It's not going to change. A lot of times you'll have someone who's starting up a podcast, uh, audio podcast, video podcast, whichever, and if they're going to get a sponsor, many times, many times, many times, the first batch of people to offer them money in advertising, will be gambling syndicates. I just call it a gambling syndicate. You know, DraftKings or whoever. DraftKings is a major one, but, you know, whoever. 
You're talking gambling. You're talking up our alley. You're going to be a person who will be friendly to our cause. Give us a little bump in your podcast. Do your podcast. Get some people to listen to it. Get them to hear about us. Blah, 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 blah. Win-win scenario. All that kind of stuff. And uh, again, that's not... It's not who I am. It's not where I am. I want to talk about players who are in the Cubs minor league pipeline and how they're doing in the Cubs minor league pipeline. And I could say right now there's nothing going on, but that'd be, that'd be wrong because the Cubs are having their, um, (sighs) wow. what, What do you want to call it out there? Uh, the, Top 30 prospect jamboree going on out in Mesa. Whatever the heck it is. Um, You get your Alcantara, your Owen Casey, your Kevin Alcantara, your Christian Hernandez, your Ryan Jensen, your Cole Franklin. And they're all out there and they're all doing stuff. And they're showing up and they're showing off. And more than likely, with those 30 players, whoever they are, Ed Howard, they're probably showing enough out in Mesa to get themselves that extra little bump as far as where they will be assigned. Where will a player be assigned? I don't know. They don't ask me. They don't run those things by me. But if you have a James Triantos who did incredibly well in compound league ball last year, and he's been out in Mesa most of the season, most of the off season, getting ready for 2022. And now he's probably closing in on being ready for 2022 to get going. He's done the, I've hit against some of the better pitchers in the pipeline, and I'm ready for things to get going. He's shown his stuff. He probably will be, in Myrtle Beach. You know, I I can't imagine he wouldn't be unless he's done horribly poorly, and I haven't heard that, so I don't think that's been the case. Uh, the guys who have been out there have probably been doing fairly well and will probably get the extra bump. Now, does that mean that Ed Howard will necessarily be in South Bend? I don't know that because I don't like to claim to know things I don't know. But uh, I would imagine that um, Pete Crow Armstrong is giving a solid representation of himself. Now, does that mean Myrtle Beach? Does that mean South Bend? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out when it happens. But um, prospects get better through learning things. And with hitters, a lot of times, learning things is hitting reps. Hitting reps, hitting reps, hitting reps, hitting reps. Get the extra 250 swings. Get the extra 50 trackings of fly balls out in center field, right field, whatever. That's how hitters get better. Hitters get better by specifically doing things. Pitchers get better by doing things and not getting hurt. How you can do those two things and get the get better and not get hurt part, good luck figuring that one out. But, uh... Jack Patterson's out there. He missed last season due to injury. There, there's Ben Hecht is out there. He missed most of last season with an injury. There, there's, there's players out there. And then there's the guys who are coming in on minor league deals. They're probably heading out there too. So when you say 30 or whatever the number was, it's probably more like 60 now. I don't know what it is. But players are getting ready for the regular season. And that's huge. And I would love to be giving you full-out, in-depth information, but there's nothing. There's really nothing. We can't, Well, I can't tell you anything because I'm sitting here in my house and I don't have a live feed to what's going Carter Hawkins has not given me a an idiot key so I can watch what's going on. I can't tell you how Christian Hernandez... I can't even tell you if Pedro Ramirez is out there playing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the information. 
And the information is what is important. The information is what is important, not rumor and speculation and innuendo. How players are actually doing is what turns the key. So if Kevin Alcantara is having a fantastic preseason, run up to the regular season, however you want to phrase it, then he should probably be ready for Myrtle Beach. I think he'll probably be there either way. But all the players who are getting ready for uh, for the long haul, these months are very important for them. These months are very important for them to get ready, to be prepared, to be more comfortable with a bunch of teammates that they might not necessarily be all that familiar with, but they're going to be reliant on through the next three or four years as they continue to push up through the system. These are all very important things. Can you, oh, what's, what's the term that they use in the movies? Um, <sighs> um, rites of passage. There you go. Players learning to hit better, learning to throw better, learning to better trust their coaches. A couple of new coaches in the system. The coaches are getting used to the players. The players are getting used to the coaches. And the players are getting used to hitting against pitchers who are better than they are. And the pitchers are sometimes getting used to pitching to hitters who are better than they are. And it's it's challenging. It's difficult. It's hard. And hopefully it all works out for at least most of them. Now, I've talked about gambling a bit. I've talked about prospects a bit. There is a bit about the draft that I want to talk about as well. And when I talk about the draft in this podcast, I'm going to tie it back to da 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 gambling. Back in the day, back in the day, my dad and I had a fun little understanding. A fun little understanding. He liked to go to gambling casinos. Whichever casino it was, was generally fine with him, though he had his favorites. And Joomers, out in Quad Cities, was one of them. And I would go with him gambling, and he would go with me to a minor league baseball game. Many times this would involve a Cubs affiliate, though not always. And it was a fun, cozy little uh, thing we had going on. And here's the hard part of the podcast. Seeing the look in my dad's eyes last, what was it, June? Whenever what, the, the, this is horrible the way that it flows back to this, but the day that Robert Stock pitched for the Cubs as a starter, that was that was the day I saw the look in my dad's eyes that he was not going to make it. He was not going to make it. He was not going to be able to do any of those things he really liked to do anymore. And seeing that look in his eyes kind of broke me. And I'm not back yet. So yeah, there. Yeah. Um, so we would go to casinos that had baseball parks nearby and watch ball games and gamble at the casinos and have have a fun time. Obviously, we're not doing that anymore. Um But specifically with the draft, specifically with the draft, people like to refer to the Major League Baseball draft specifically, the Major League Baseball draft specifically as a crapshoot. The Major League Baseball draft is a crapshoot. If I had received $10 for each time I had someone in one of my articles say, the Major League Baseball draft is a crapshoot, then I would no longer have to be working ever. 
I would no longer have to worry about anything financially because people so often like to refer to the Major League Baseball draft as a crapshoot. Never mind that in the last NBA draft, Io DeSumo from Illinois snuck to the second round and he's basically bailed the Bulls out I don't know, what, four or five games this year? You know, the, uh, other players have chipped in on the win as well, but without DeSumo, who slipped to the second round, nobody, ooh, nobody was, oh, but the, the NBA draft, we have this all nailed down. It's not a crapshoot. We know everything. We're, we're, it's a crapshoot. In the NFL draft, what's, what's the guy's name? James Robinson, running back Jacksonville, I think, I think, I think, I think. Uh, non-drafted, and in his first year, he ran for a 1,000 yards. I think his name is James Robinson. Went to high school in Rockford, and everybody was a complete afterthought about, oh, no, he's not this, he's not that, he's not going to... Well, he shows up in the NFL as a rookie, runs for a 1,000 yards. Nobody drafted him. But the baseball thing's a crapshoot. Here's the thing about gambling and sports. It's all a crapshoot. It's all a crapshoot. The examples I'm using of a crapshoot. How about that Jason Hayward contract? It's a crapshoot. You don't know what you're going to get. Now, signing, uh, claiming Frank Schwindel on waivers, that made perfect sense because the Cubs knew in three weeks they are going to need a first baseman. They are going to trade Anthony Rizzo. So in three weeks they are going to need a first baseman, and Frank Schwindel was a first baseman. You pick him up, you plug him in. If he's really good, you have a really good first baseman for a while. If he's really bad, then you leave him in a first base for a while and the team ends up plummeting down the standings and gets an earlier draft pick. See how it's win-win? Didn't really matter if he did good or not. It's probably better that he did fine, but if he would have been horrible, if he would have hit 207 with two home runs and struck out 40% of the time, hey, okay, well, whatever. Wouldn't have mattered either way. It's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. Nobody has any... Whenever the Cubs game starts, Cubs games start for real this year, in April or May or June or whenever the heck they start. Fourth game of the season. Whenever the actual fourth game of the season is. Pick the home team and under. It's a crapshoot. You don't know. What is not a crapshoot? When is the 7 o'clock, uh, when is the 10 o'clock news supposed to start? 10 o'clock. We know that. 10 o'clock news starts at 10 o'clock. We know that. That's not a crapshoot. Crapshoot is we don't know. We don't know. We watch baseball games or basketball games or football games or soccer games or whatever because we don't know what's going to happen. We know when it's going to start, but we don't know how it's going to end. It's a crapshoot. That's the entire point. With baseball, you don't know who's going to be the best player until it all plays out. You don't know. Yes, it's a crapshoot. However, if you have generally good coaches generally good players, generally a good work environment, you will probably get better results than if you were, oh, let's say the Orioles for most of the last eight years or the Pirates for most of the last 30 years or the Cubs for most of the last 70 years. If you're a poorly run organization, no matter what the acquisition process is, you're going to be hindered if you have a really good acquisition process, if you are very good at determining who the players that are going to be are going that are going to be good, then generally you'll get a payout from it. If you're really good at it, you'll benefit. If you're really bad at it, you won't benefit from it. Watching my dad gamble enough. The most logical gambling 
And he did a lot of table games. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of the other thing. The most logical is blackjack. You're playing against the dealer. And if you know basically the rules of blackjack, you can generally, over a long haul, come fairly close to breaking even. Sometimes even better. But that doesn't necessarily always work because kind of like in baseball, when you get a seven-game losing streak, you get a seven-game losing streak. And if you're losing 15, 20, 25 bucks a hand and you get a seven-game losing streak, those are ugly. No matter what, no matter how, no matter which. But the crapshoot angle Nobody ever says, nobody that I've heard ever says the Major League Baseball draft is like playing blackjack against a dealer. Nobody ever says that. Nobody ever says that. Have you ever heard anybody say the Major League Baseball draft is like playing crap, uh, is like playing um, blackjack against a dealer? No, you don't hear that. Nobody says it. I, maybe they should. What they say is base, the baseball draft is a crapshoot. The baseball draft is a crapshoot. Now, I don't know how often you've played craps or if you've ever watched someone play craps. Craps became one of my dad's favorite games. And I really can't explain the rules to you accurately. You could probably look them up and hoil, but... uh. As I understand it, at casinos with craps, there are two types of bets you can make. One is the types of bets that are below the line, and then there are bets that are above the line. The bets that are below the line are the wagers that are not as financially beneficial if they cash. So usually what will happen, you start with an empty board, usually after somebody just had the audacity to roll a, I'm not allowed to say the number, but somewhere between six and eight. Um, because when, when that number comes up, pretty much everybody loses. So if somebody rolls that number, and you're not allowed to mention it, uh, bad things happen and people lose money big time. So what happens is you have the empty board and all the players who are gambling at the table put down a wager below the line. Possibly um, even number or something along those lines. Or number above 10 or something like that. So you're wagering on something just to have something below the line after the first uh, hand. Then you get to make wagers above the line. And then you start to get to do all the really fun stuff. Like uh, I'm going to bet a hard eight. A hard eight is you get an eight, but it's a hard eight, which means it's two fours. So if you roll a five and a three, you don't win. But if you get a four and a four, then you do win. If you get a four and a five, you don't win. But if you get a four and a four, then you do win. So you have all these fluky, crazy, bizarre, absurd bets. And okay, everybody have their bets in? Everybody have their, yep, okay, we all have our bets in. Okay, now we're going to give the dice to um, Anthony over here. Anthony is going to grab the dice. And throw them all the way over to the other side of the table. And it has to hit the other side of the table and then bounce back. So he's got to chuck them dice. It, it, there's, no, there's no cheating on that. you got to chuck them dice. So he chucks the dice all the way across. And it hits the table. It rolls back a little bit. And based on what Anthony rolls, and it better not be that number between a six and an eight. 
because everybody will be pissed at them then. Well, what they do is, okay, well, this wager here you lose, so the house gets to keep the money. This wager here you lose, you the house keeps the money. So they take off all the losing bets first, and then they get to the bets that are the winning bets. And again, some of the bets are below the line, some of the bets are above the line. So after you have somebody roll the dice, it takes, oh, I don't know, five, ten minutes sometimes to get it ready for the next dice roll. And if Anthony didn't screw up, he gets to uh, roll the dice again. So what ends up happening is as long as Anthony doesn't roll that number that I'm not allowed to say, you keep rolling the dice. Now, my dad's over here. He's, he has something on this, a little bit of something on that. So I'm, oh, well, hey, I think he might do this. I'm going to... You have your money on this, you have your money on that, you have your money on the other thing. And as long as that number doesn't come up, you're generally going to be okay. You might lose a little something here and there, but you'll get something, and it generally ends up being fairly well. But the thing is, Anthony's rolling the dice. Anthony's rolling the dice. My dad wasn't. When it's my dad's turn to roll the dice, my dad would roll the dice, and Anthony's betting on what my dad's going to do. How good are you at betting on how good someone else's hand-eye coordination is going to be? How good are you at that? I didn't play. <laughs> I, I didn't trust people enough. Uh, plus, I didn't know the rules. But um, you get somebody launching dice toward the other end of the table and all. Ugh, no, I wasn't going to do that. But you're wagering on someone else rolling dice. It's not even you rolling the dice. It's someone else. Now, for instance, if I'm playing Stratomatic... I'm playing a baseball game based on me rolling the dice. And if um, I get distracted or the dice ends up running up against a rail, it's like, oh, no, I better re-roll re that one because that, you know, that's an improper roll. Well, that's fine. But it's me rolling the dice and me paying the consequences and reaping the benefits from the dice that I roll. So if I roll a 2-9 and a 2-9 is a triple, then that's what it is. Whether, whichever team, whatever team it is, it doesn't really matter. But with crap, someone else is rolling the dice. You don't have the dice. In the baseball draft, you have all the dice. You have every single bit of the dice. You have radar guns. You have iPads. You have information systems where... Uh, the scout, whoever the scout is, sends the video back to HQ and HQ. Hey, here, here's, uh, here's some video of Cam Collier. Love that story. Let me interrupt myself. Last year, well, last cycle, James Triantos was supposed to be a junior. But he reclassified and became a senior. And... The Cubs, who were in on him early anyway, were completely into Cam Collier and ended up drafting him in the second round, possibly could have drafted him in the first round. But uh, so he reclassified from being a junior to being a senior to make himself eligible for the baseball draft one season earlier by reclassifying any team that wasn't paying attention to him as a, I'm going to stop here and do a little, a little bit of math, anybody who didn't pay attention to him as a high school sophomore didn't get to see him as a high school junior because he wasn't a high school junior. He went from being a high school sophomore to being a high school senior. The Cubs, who were in on him early, took the chance and so far, he's done very well. Now, am I going to say he's going to be a superstar? No, I'm not going to say that because that would be too prudent for me to say that because then people might say, hey, you ought to listen to this podcast because Tim's going to talk up uh, James Triantos. No, I'm not going to do that. He's going to do what he's going to do in Myrtle Beach, and I will tell you what he does when he does it. Cam Collier, last year, 
was a sophomore in high school. Kind of sounds like James Triantos, right? He reclassifies, so instead of being a junior this year, he was a senior this year. Sounds similar, right? Right, right? Except Cam Collier, screw high school baseball. I'm going to go play for Chipola College. So he goes from 2021 playing as a sophomore in high school to 2022 playing as a freshman in college. Sophomore in high school, next year, freshman in college. That's stepping it up. He was going to be one of the highest ranked players in the 2023 class. But stepping up to the 2022 draft, 2022's draft is already loaded anyway. He's kind of down the list a little bit, but I'm kind of interested in him. His dad, I, I kind of like lineage. His dad played Major League Ball. Lou Collier was with the Tigers for a while. I like lineage. Uh, Josh Young, third baseman in the Rangers system. His brother, Jace Young, is at Texas Tech. I like players who have lineage. There's one other. Oh, Andrew Jones. His dad was Andrew Jones. Yeah, that's a little tiny bit of lineage there. So, yeah, players that have lineage, players that already know what it's about to go through and getting better and impressing scouts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in that kind of stuff. Um, so, Cub Scouts are now out watching players like Cam Collier. They're getting ready to watch college players. They're getting ready to watch high school players. They're getting all their assignments down. I'm going to make sure I got to see this player. I want to see this guy two or three times. This guy I want to see four or five times. This time, I got to see these two games here because they are simply must-watch must matchups. Um, I'm imagining that there's going to be a lot of people watching Cam Collier at Chipola in his opening day doubleheader. He hit a home run. Yawn. <laughs> yeah, he good. Uh, he, he, he's going to hit. He's going to hit. He's going to play third base. He's going to be fine. Um, but with the baseball draft, people like to call it a crapshoot. When in a crapshoot, Anthony over at the end of that other end of the table in craps is shooting. In the baseball draft, all your scouts have to kick butt. Let's say you have 45 scouts and 41 of them do a really good job. Well, I hope those other four states, those four other four regions, uh, you didn't have any players that you're going to draft because that's where you screw up. That's where you screw up. When you have someone who is failing to do what they are expected to do, that's how you screw up. The baseball draft is about getting stuff right, is about properly assessing baseball talent. Properly assessing baseball talent. That is completely different from Anthony's over at the other end of the table and I'm expecting a hard six. Completely different. Completely different. How good are your scouts at assessing talent? Following that, how good are your coaches at eliciting talent from the players that you select? That's what it's about. And kind of tied in with last time, since it looks like the players union is not going to get the um, free agency changed at all, when a team drafts someone, who is going to be in the minor leagues for three or four years before they reach the major leagues. When a player is going to be in the minor leagues for three or four years before they reach the major leagues, they are going to be in their organization for up to 11 years with no real say-so. Because they go the first four years, then they reach major leagues, they do a little time in the major leagues and they get sent back down to the minor leagues and the next year they come up to the major leagues, go back down to the minor leagues and they come back up to the major leagues. Okay, now now you're going to stick around the whole time. They're going to be in the, in 
their organization for 11 years. 11 years. I hope they enjoy the organization they're in. I really do because it would really suck to be in a baseball organization that you hate for 11 years. Yeah. The baseball draft is an inexact science. If a team is rather good at assessing talent, they will be fine with the way the baseball draft is set up. If they are bad at assessing talent, they will be in big trouble for a long, long time, especially since, what's the saying? If you're at a poker table and you don't know who the mark is, you're probably the mark. If you have a G, it rotates, it fluctuates as far as... <coughs> Which baseball front office is terrible? It does rotate. It does change every once in a while. But usually there are about 27 or 26 or 27 rather well-run organizations. There are usually two or three or four at the top that are fantastic. Then there's about, eh, I don't know what, 10 or 12 that are kind of good. Then there's some that are a bit above average. <coughs> and then there's some that are very average. And then there's some at the bottom that are terrible. And usually the three or four at the bottom rotate. And you end up getting somebody who, hey, I think I know it. I, I have it all figured out. I know exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We're just going to do what we've been doing. And, and it goes wrong. But there are going to be some teams at the top who are absolutely fantastic at locating talent, developing talent, treating talent well, or at least a couple of them. You know, it's not always going to be everybody doing everything terribly well or terribly poorly. As of right now, the Cubs seem to generally be in a fairly decent place regarding player development. And if I were glass half full guy, I would be telling you that it will be fantastically fun to watch every single Myrtle Beach game this season because they have a really good roster and they're going to crush people. And But the reality is it's probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. Why, Tim? You like the Cubs system. Why aren't they? Well, here's the thing. As I dip into my monk mindset. Here's the thing. The team in Mesa last year was generally incredibly fun. Generally incredibly fun. They had a lot of hitters who hit really well, and their pitching was iffy. Maybe it'll be better this year, maybe it won't. Players are getting healthy, da-da-da, etc. We'll find out. When Owen Casey got called up to Myrtle Beach, I'm not going to look up his numbers. He did well. But he didn't hit in Myrtle Beach as well as he hit in Mesa. And there are a couple of different reasons why that could be, both of which are probably uh, definitely accurate, at least in my opinion they are. Anytime a player moves up to a new level, they have to adjust to the new quality of the pitching level. And when you move up from compound league to A ball, A ball to high A, high A to double A, most of the time, the hitter is going to take a while to struggle because, wow, I haven't seen a breaking ball this good all the time. Javier Baez was notorious at that. When he'd get to a new level, he would be dog crap for a while. Then he'd figure it out, and he'd beat the heck out of the league. He'd get promoted. He'd get to the new level, and he'd be dog crap again and he'd have to get used to the new league. And then he'd figure that level out, 
and then he'd get promoted to the next level and he'd be dog crap again because that's how it works. Javier Baez was the best example of that ever. Owen Casey moved up to the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. He kind of struggled. Two reasons. One, improved pitching. He had to get used to, wow, these guys are actually really good. And the other thing was, instead of hitting out in the desert, he was hitting at sea level. And when you go from hitting it in the desert to hitting at sea level, and there's an uptick in the ability of the pitchers to pitch effectively, you're looking at a moderately long adjustment period. So Casey went through that. He's, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But as far as him having the same numbers in Myrtle Beach that he had in Mesa? No, that didn't happen. It didn't happen. It shouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. It isn't going to happen. When Kevin Alcantara gets promoted, when... Uh, who else are we going to promote? Um, Pete Crow Armstrong, I have no idea where he's going to be. Um... Owen Casey will be in Myrtle Beach probably at least to start. Christian Hernandez will be in Mesa. And I, I'm doing it again. I'm for Triantos. How's Triantos going to do? I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. Because he's going to be playing against better pitchers. But he did really well last year. Maybe he will be. I have no idea. I have no idea how well these players are going to do. They're playing at newer, tougher, more difficult levels. And I'm not going to tell you, these guys are going to shred it. Because I don't know that's the case. Playing against better competition is hard. It's very hard. It's a whole lot more difficult than releasing a podcast. Come. April, April 5th, I, I saw uh, Alex Cohen talking about how April 5th, I was playing against Buffalo. Wow, that's a little bit of culture shock. April 5th in Buffalo, I think it might be windy there. Uh, don't know, just a guess, just a guess. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's getting there. It's going, games are going to be starting soon. College games have already started. I saw one game, the Masters University is a college out in California, and they were playing against Panhandle State. No, Panhandle, some Oklahoma school, Oklahoma Panhandle University or something like that. And the final score is like 14 to 12 or something like that. So yeah, there is baseball back, and it's nice. I had a game on, except uh, I'd much rather listen on radio than have audio. The, the, much rather listen on audio than have video, because when, when you have a game on a TV screen, the announcer's letting the um, action speak for itself, and really, I want to have the announcer tell me what's going on. You know, put, put, on, your, uh, put on your Pat Hughes shoes. You know, tell me. One, two count. Stretch the pitch. Fly ball to right center. No, don't, don't have me look at the screen. I don't want to look at the screen. I want to be laying down listening to a ball game and maybe going to sleep. Um, but as far as gambling, baseball, prospects, and the draft. <laughs> the draft is not a crapshoot. It's an inexact science through which teams determine which benefit the most from the way the draft is currently comprised. Some teams will benefit from it greatly. Some teams will benefit from it less greatly. And some of them will not do well in it at all. And it's largely going to depend upon... Let's see. Did you get them right? The scouts... 
the coaches and the players. Exactly. And if the team is bringing in the right players because of the right scouts and getting them to the right coaches and getting them properly developed, that team will do fine. But that doesn't necessarily mean that a player moving up from a lower level to a somewhat higher level will necessarily produce at a person's um, glass half full outlook. The player will do what the player will do. And <coughs> if you're expecting Kevin Alcantara or James Triantos or whoever to have a fantastically great season because I really want him to, well, that's fine. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to. Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into that. Some of it involves the player. Some of it involves absolute pure luck. Get that inside pitch. Does he get out of the way or does it hit him in the wrist? Sometimes you get some of both. Um, the closer we get to April, the more I will be enthused to do podcasts or writing as of right now. I'm really not too enthused on doing either one of them. Again, that's being honest. Kind of going a little bit back to what I was talking about earlier. I'm not enthused about a whole lot of things right now. I wish I was. As the weather gets better, I hear it's going to be over 40 degrees on Tuesday. That would be really nice. But... Right now, I just don't have a whole lot of enthusiasm for too much uh, anything. And when it is something that I'm enthused about, it might as well be uh, soccer-related. U.S. men's national team against Canada in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on Sunday at 2 Central. I think I have that time right. And there's three other games in the CONCACAF later that night. I'm more interested in that than a lot of other things right now. I hope at some point I really do get back to being enthused about stuff that I used to be enthused about. I hope I do. I hope I do. Until then, I will try to bring you information on the Cubs and keep you updated on what's going on. And for those of you who have other people that are providing information that is more cheerful, more uplifting, go for it. Congratulations. I'm good with it. I hope at some point I'm to the point where I'm bringing information that other people are not. Whether that's happened here in the last couple of last few months, I don't know or not. Thanks for stopping by, and I will try to have another podcast up soon. Have a great rest of your weekend.